<laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Woods and Water. You always hate going on the air and reading something funny right before you do. Or me say something <laughs> funny to yeah, you. Yeah, well, that, that too. Here's one for you. Things to think about. <laughs> what if my dog only brings back the ball because he thinks I like throwing it? Hmm. That's probably the case. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Except for mine. I know mine enjoys it. So, anyway, welcome to Woods and Water South Carolina. We're going to struggle through today's show, folks. I have, <coughs> yeah, I have that cough. Oh, boy. And I can get to the mute button over there. So, yeah, please I, do. <laughs> but I, have, yeah, I have, uh, I have Chick fil A ice cream. I have a, thing of coke i have ricola cough drops and and we're gonna make it through we um somehow or another we'll make it through uh, my, my co-host for today or it's supposed to be here because we we were going to talk about the texas trip uh is actually got the flu she uh she's got <laughs> flu type a and she came back from the doctor i think it was tuesday and uh she said i'm first <laughs> she's, i was the first conferring case my doctor had of Type A flu this year, so. Oh, she sounds so proud. Oh, she is. She is. And wait till you hear why she has the flu. Can't wait. That's probably even a better thing. We're gonna, we're gonna try to get her on the phone here a little bit later on and, and at least talk just for a few minutes about the Texas trip. Cause we did have a, we had a ball. Um, <laughs> except we both came back sick. And you know, sometimes that's not, that's the measure of a good trip. Although, let me tell you what. Driving and flying while feverish are just, no. I hope I never have to do that again. But I guess if you travel enough, you're going to, you're going to run into it once in a while. But it was, uh, it was a good trip to Texas. We'll talk about it with Taylor a little bit later on. Got, um, oh, uh, congratulations to Patrick Walters and Emily Watkins. Patrick being a former member of the University of South Carolina fishing team who is now a Bassmaster Elite Angler. They got married yesterday in Charleston. Congratulations to those two. They, uh, I want to say they have dated since early high school, maybe even middle school, or been a couple. So, you know, seven, eight years maybe, something like that. So tied the knot yesterday, and Patrick will immediately commence being an old man now. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> The beginnings of it anyway. And we've got some other stuff we're going to get to, some news. Uh, if you want to, if you want to know, excuse me while I wet the whistle here. Um, <clears throat> dedication. There were 161 boats full of high school anglers fishing on Lake Hartwell today. Palmetto Boat Center had a, their high school tournament had a makeup day. <laughs> the makeup day was today, this morning. So you had 161 boats. Which meant there were 322 kids, 161 boat captains who fished from six o'clock this morning or were in the water from six o'clock this morning. They're pulling out now, weighing in. But that is dedication. That is, and that is bass fishing. And, and we'll talk to Taylor because she's got a little bit of that going on too. So I assume with that, let's, um, let's get to the calendar events. We'll knock it out here. Early show, this show. Always, uh, always brought to you by Visit Anderson Green Pond Landing and Event Center, which is where they were having the PBC High School Tournament this morning. The, um, and I always get, sometimes I get this stuff so late. I got this this week, and I'm not sure that you can still get in. 
because it says checks may be made out to Clemson Shotgun Club and mailed to so-and-so. And to register, please fill out the forms. And I didn't get this until like Tuesday. So t- uh, tomorrow, the 24th, is the sixth annual Clemson Shotgun Team fundraiser at the Palmetto Shooting Center down in uh, Edgefield. It's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Uh, registration opens up at 9.30 a.m. Shooting shooting begins at 10 a.m. Must be on the course no later than 1.30. Uh, 85 for youth, 100 for 18 and older, 250 for three-man squad, team and individual awards. All of it goes to benefit the Clemson shotgun team. Let's see. Lunch will be included for each shooter. Each meal ticket, extra meal tickets for 15 bucks. Lunch will be served 12 to 2:30. And uh, golf carts are available, but I'm sure at this time they're gone. So you either bring your own or walk. And there's going to be some raffles, silent auctions, drawing for guns and games, etc., etc., etc. If you have any questions, and you still, you want to try to go. Um, Lexi Yarborough is the contact, the fundraising chair. Lexi Yarborough, 803-308-7033, or email Amy A-R-B-O, A-M-Y-A-R-B-O at g.clemson.edu. I hope you can still get in. It would be a fun one to go to. You're looking for something different to do Thanksgiving? Here you go. South Carolina State Parks. Uh, Black Friday deals 2019. They do, these deals will be available Friday, November the 29th, online only. And they are 50% off the following. Standard and rustic camp sites uh, or standard full service, standard, et cetera, et cetera, at the following state parks. You ready for this? Aiken State Park, Andrew Jackson State Park, Baker Creek State Park, Barnwell, Kiwi Toxaway, Hickory Knob, Lake Harwell, Lee, Little PD State Park, Poinsett State Park, Sadler's Creek, and Sesquicentennial State Park. Reserve, remember, you reserve online, and you must use the code CAMPSC50 to get the discount. So if you're looking for something a little bit different to do, instead of going Black Friday shopping Friday and you want to go um, camp for the weekend, there you go. 50% off Black Friday sale through the South Carolina State Parks. If you want to do something else that's a little different, here's something for you. Thanksgiving trail ride and party. November the 29th through December the 1st, join us at the Lakeview Plantation Trail Ride to enjoy 60 miles of the best marked and maintained horse trails in South Carolina. Uh, full weekend. Adults, 45 bucks. Thursday, if you're going to go in Thursday, it's 50 Adult Saturday and Sunday only, 35 bucks. Adult day ride, 20 bucks. Kids 20 and under, co- uh, accompanied by an adult, free. Uh, and the house have lodging, too. $35 per person per night. Lakeview Plantation. That's what it says. Cedar Knoll Drive Road in Allendale, South Carolina. Uh, they're going to have, um, oh, this may be worth Wally Wild. Friday night, they're going to have Low Country Boil. Saturday night, they have a pig picking. We will have a DJ Friday and Saturday nights. That sounds like a fun weekend. This is, uh, I got this from the Lower Savannah River Alliance. And uh, so that's the trail ride at, at uh, Lakeview Plantation, Allendale, South Carolina, for the weekend after Thanksgiving. And if that's not enough for you, 
you can get out on the coast. Coastal Expeditions is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, they're having the alligator walks, Bull Island Ferry, and uh, the Kiowa River hike and boat. So you can go to go to the uh, Coastal Expeditions website and get in on something Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What a, and, and it's going to be beautiful. This this the weather coming up is we're just in for a stretch of it. After today, we're in for a beautiful stretch of weather. Final thing on the calendar, if you're interested, the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources is offering a coyote trapping and management workshop December the 12th through the 13th. Uh, in conjunction with the South Carolina Trappers Association, we'll host a coyote trapping and management workshop at the Webb Center located in Hampton County. The workshop will start with registration at 1 p.m. on Thursday and end at approximately 5 p.m. on Friday. The cost of the workshop is 100 bucks, which includes workshop materials, overnight bunkhouse-style accommodations at the Webb Center, Dinner on Thursday and breakfast and lunch on Friday. It's limited to the first 30 applicants submitting payment and their completed application. So, better get those in. County Workshop, Web Center. Find out more at DNR website. All right, hang on through the break. We're going to get to, uh, I'm getting some stuff off my desk, so to speak. So, hang on. More Woods and Water, South Carolina on the other side of the break. And then we'll talk to Taylor a little bit along about Texas. Hang on. Mario Speedwagon. Yeah, I could tell I, you had that look like, I, who is that? I just, man, when it came on, it just, in a in a segment, I just didn't realize. Rock it in there. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to. Nobody wants to hear me sing, trust me. Although I used to sing a good bit. We did some fundraisers. Had fun with it. Had a really good Blues Brothers routine, a friend of mine and I did. I would fun. love to hear that. Oh, it was, it, we had a ball doing it. I'm like you. I used to sing. Yes. I don't do that anymore. Yes, used to sing. Mm-hmm. Voice change. Got a lot lower. Can't hit that upper. Of course, I'm not alone. If you watch a lot of the old guys, they can't sing like they used to either. So I don't not feel near really, as bad. No. It's, yeah. it's surprising. I can hit the higher register notes better now than I could when I did sing. Like I don't know what's up with that. You're, you're an oddball. But I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to do that right now. I, uh, I would, I'm a much better country music singer now than I was before. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we can put you in the studio. None of us, none of us on the level level of a Brad Delp with Boston, though. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Just not even there. happening. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, this time of the year is just there's just so much you can do outdoors. Just so much you can do outdoors. And one of my favorite things that I used to do as a kid, and I don't have them anymore, uh, is bird hunt. Bird season opens Monday, and it's traditionally the week of Thanksgiving has been the opening day of bird season since I was a kid. If you go to the Woods and Water South Carolina website, I mean, I'm not website. I don't have it up on the website. I have it up on the Facebook page. Uh, I went to a, my neighbors were actually having a, an AKC field trial the other day. And I got to stop in there for uh, an hour or so and take some pictures. A lot of, a lot of kids around, a lot of kids around bird dogs, which is great. Not a whole lot of bird hunting going on. It's all field trialing and, you know, it's, uh, getting different, uh, registrations and, and awards for your dog and stuff, you master hunter and that sort of thing. 
but it, it was good to, to be around the dogs, kind of back to my roots. And there's a few dogs with tails out there. There's a few pointers around, a few a uh, few setters around. Just man, you just covered up with German short hairs. They're everywhere, and, but they're a good breed of dog. They're from what I understand, they make great pets and great bird dogs and just great all-around dogs. But uh, when I was growing up, you had to have a tail to be a bird dog. Anyway, season opens Monday, and uh, for anyone hunting the Indian Creek focus area, the South Carolina Bobwhite Quail Initiative would like to ask you to do them a favor. Uh, those who've hunted the area last year are familiar with the SCBI kiosk located in se- several locations. The kiosk, uh, it's, um, man, it looks like the boxes are about three feet off the ground. There's a blue sign saying, attention quail hunters. We are trying to maintain hunting success rates, time spent hunting, covey encounters, distance traveled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Please take a moment to fill out one of these things. So they're asking you, if you're in the area hunting Indian Creek, uh, take just a moment, fill out a data card about your hunt. They help. You know, measure how the land is being used, how many people quail hunt, how many quail are being seen. And it helps steer the habitat work. Uh, so it, the card, it, it's simply just, they're not going to put you on any kind of mailing list or anything like that. Uh, it's for internal use only. And uh, they just want to know who you are, where you're from, um, age, and then you know, how far you came, how many hours hunted. Number of cubbies found, how many quail did you bag, how many didn't you retrieve, number of dogs and hunting style, you know, punting, pointing, flushing, and then the area you hunted. It is, it is, you know, we say this often on the show that, that good management results when they have good data. And so if you're a bird hunter and you uh, are in the area, please help them out, give them some data, and then, by the way, have fun. I'm, I will miss being out there again. Um, just, just well, I, we 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 uh, fished with when we went to Texas. We uh, we fished all day on Friday with John Hale from Hale Lures there in uh, in just south of in Livingston, Texas. No, no, not Livingston. Uh oh, it's just a little bit south of Lufkin, Texas, but I can't remember the name of the town now. Okay, here we go. Huntington, Texas. That's where Stanley Lures and Hale is based in Huntington. And John was a is a Louisiana guy. Um, grew up quail hunting a bit. We we had a ball talking bird hunting. We absolutely had a ball dirt bird hunting. So if you're out there, enjoy it. Be careful. You know, talking about care, being careful with a gun. There was another shooting. Uh, this is actually why we were going last week. Uh, Westminster hunter mistakes person for a deer, shoots him. On Thursday, deputies with the Oconee County Sheriff's Department, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, responded to a hunting incident accident in Westminster. According to the department, the accident happened between 7.30 a.m. and 8 a.m. and involved two deer hunters. One of the hunters got out of his stand, and the other mistook him for a deer and shot him. Hit with buckshot in the upper body. Uh, officials say the victim was transported to a Greenville hospital and the last check was still in surgery. Uh, no charges as of right now. I don't think there are any charges. People. 
My understanding is yes. I have that story. You were because you do the news. Here, let me put my headset on. Out. Yeah, I might could hear you because you do the news there for for my our. 94.5 yep, uh, right yep. here yeah right here and um as i remember he was not wearing any orange uh, orange on yes. so nothing he he could not be seen as i understand yeah so well but see there's the problem you don't shoot something you don't know what it is well that's what i thought <laughs> it's a cardinal rule of gun safety if you look at any safety rules um like number three on this list right here from IE, the International Hunter Education Association. They would be the, the four basic rules of firearm safety. Treat every firearm as if it was loaded. That's just mm-hmm. a given. Yeah. Never assume a firearm, never assume a firearm is unloaded. Always point the firearm in a safe direction. Even an unwanted discharge occurs, no one will be hurt if you always point the gun in a safe direction. Okay. So number exactly. two. Exactly. Yeah. Number, you don't know what number three is? Go for it. Be sure of your target and what is beyond your target. Make absolutely certain you can positively identify your target and what is beyond it. Make sure there are no other hunters, houses, vehicles, or other animals beyond your target in case your bullet or shot, if you're using a shotgun, misses your target or travels through your target. Never shoot an animal that is on the horizon as as you cannot be sure of what is behind that animal. And number four, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. Yeah, until you're going to make the shot. But you always know what your target is. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. And that's, and that's just what's so befuddling about this. You, yeah, it I, didn't I, happen. No. But uh, I just and with buckshot, I just you never shoot at something that moves. Yeah, until you know what it is. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Happy it, to help. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you don't. People, it's. It makes you scratch your head because you have to go through a hunter education course. They teach this in hunter ed. Uh, it just You don't understand why dumb things like this keep happening. I know people get excited when they deer hunt, especially first-timer new hunters. Uh, it's exciting, yes. Luckily, he didn't kill somebody. Uh, which brings me to another point. I'm going to be a crotchety old man for a few minutes. I'm allowed today. I don't feel too good, so you're just going to get it. Let me add one more to that. Treat every firearm as if it's loaded. Always point it in a safe direction. Be sure of your targets, what's beyond your target. Keep your finger out of the trigger guard and off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And I'm going to add number five. Now, there are a bunch more. The NRA uh, goes on to uh, uh, you know, know how to use the gun safely. Be sure the gun is safe to operate. Use only the correct ammunition for your gun where eye and ear protection is appropriate. Never use alcohol, over-the-counter drugs, prescription drugs before or while shooting. Store guns so they're not accessible to unauthorized persons. And, you know, clean them regularly. There's a whole list of things. Let me add one here. Do not use your rifle scope to identify whatever it is you want to look at. That's part of that point in the gun. It's something that you're not ready to shoot at. And I know there's bunches of people that do it. It's Your rifle scope is not a substitute for a pair of binoculars. Not. That is a, it's just one of those things you just should never do. Because what, ha- if what happens, you are pointing it at something you're not ready to shoot, and you don't know what it is, and it could be a person, it could be somebody's dog, it could be who knows what. Somebody's cow. 
you know, to just never point a gun at something you're not ready to shoot at. And using your rifle scope to identify a target is not what you want to do. There, there, look, there is no substitute for a good pair of binoculars in a deer stand. I take them bow hunting. I'm sorry. I just like to have my binoculars. I have used them for so many years. So many years. Going on 30 years now, I have never gone in the woods without a pair of binoculars. And they're, you look, you get a better field of view. You get a lot of times, you know, you look through a rifle scope. Yeah, you get a little eye relief in there and, you know, you can fog it up and all and, and it's out there. But a pair of binoculars, man, it brings it right up close. Better field of view, ease of movement. My goodness, you know, a deer way right or way left, and you got to move the gun all the way around, just a pair of binoculars, all you got to do is turn your head and look. So the number one suggestion I have for you for Christmas this year, and it doesn't just apply to hunters. I gave my mother-in-law a pair of binoculars. She loves me still. That's good for bird watchers. <laughs> it is good for everybody. Here's a pair of binoculars. It don't have to be expensive. I mean, if you're going to put a pair on the counter at home for bird watching, you know, you can get away with a 50, 60, $80 pair of binoculars. $100 pair of loopholes are a good pair of binoculars. You're going to deer hunt or hunting with them. I mean, it just depends on where you're going to be hunting, what your, you know, $200, $250 give you a great pair of binoculars. I'm a loophole guy. Sorry. Have been all my life. Uh, lifetime warranty, and they have been over backwards for me so many times. Um, but let's don't have any more of these accidents. Totally preventable. And you don't want to bury your best friend because you were dumb. Okay? All right. That's enough. I'm in a good mood again. All right. Let's uh, hang out through the break. We're going we're gonna to call Taylor. We're going to rouse Taylor out and talk about Texas a little bit on the other side of the break. So more Woods and Water, South Carolina to come. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Let's uh, let's bring up our guest here, would you? Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, just just great. Just, just great. great. How many, how, how many years is it going to take us to look back on this trip and laugh? Probably a good 10 at least. At 10? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going by to Texas without these memories, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we were talking to Taylor, who who was uh, who was supposed to be in the studio with me today. We were going to recap our Texas trip and some of the fun we had. And instead, you're first. Your first case of, oh, yeah. of 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 flu for your doctor, huh? Yeah, that's not that's not a good thing when she you know says, well, you know, your white blood cell counts down and some of your platelets, so let's go do a little like flu test. It probably won't be anything. I just want to know. Yeah. Well, then when she comes back in the room and says, oh no, you you do have the flu. I'm I my first case of the season, and I was like, oh, yay. Well, I mean, you, just, I wanted to hear. you got a little bit of that going on with the, all the people down there fishing the Palmetto, uh, the Palmetto Bass Trail down at uh, Hartwell. The high schoolers down there this weekend. Yep. 161 boats down there fishing in the rain today. You know, Ooh, the, you know the difference. 
It's it's about ten degrees warmer than it was for us. I'm jealous. <laughs> so why why do you have the flu? Let's let's delve into this a little. What what decision we, we, did you we, make we, to have the flu? Oh, I made the decision. Okay, you I did. Thought, you did. We're going that way. That's okay. Well, apparently, I made the wrong decision to go to Texas. But. No, it wasn't to go to Texas. It was to keep fishing. It was to go to Texas. Well. It was to go to Texas while I still had a cold. <laughs> it, wasn't the, the it, it wasn't to keep fishing in the rain and cold because Keith Gomes hadn't quit yet. I mean, that could maybe be a factor in it. But. Now we know yeah. the truth. <laughs> See, folks. Come on, Paul. I thought you were on my side. Oh, he's on his own side. Yeah, today I am. <laughs> See, we went now. We, we've had this trip planned for, what, about three months now? Mm-hmm. Uh, get down to Texas. Uh, Clifford Weaveman, our friend down there, works for Stanley Lures, wanted us to come down and, and fish with Lonnie and John. And then there was an opportunity f- that you might be able to fish with Keith, uh, who's a Shimano yeah. pro. And... Uh, Keith had a guy from what Northern California win a contest, and he flew out to fish Thursday. And Thursday was 42 degrees and raining. I mean, it was cold and miserable, people. Um, it was. But we went out there and and we're fishing, and and we did find the fish. So let's get that out of the way. We had a good time catching, right? We did. We had a good time catching using some fish finders, which I swear I'd never use, but it's fine. It helped and. It's kind of drop shotting off the side of the boat, so it's pretty easy. Yeah. But then we, we, we really started catching the fish. We weren't even drop shotting. We were just used using the, uh, the pan optics to find those. Yeah. Rattle traps and, uh, and the fish were really active for it to be so cold. But now, but we offered you numerous opportunities to go in, correct? Let's just get this on the record. So I'm not, I will. So I'm not labeled as, as, as worst dad of the century here. No, you're not. Okay. And and the reason that you didn't want to go in was? Well, I didn't want to be the wimp to say, I can't do this anymore, so I'm just going to stop fishing. That was not going to be me. Yes. And I think part of the reason was I was with a bunch of guys. Yes. And one of those guys was Keith Combs. Yes. And I thought he can, I'm not, not going to do this, I'm not going to wimp out right now while he's, a couple of feet away from us, like yes, it wasn't going to happen. So, okay, but it was okay because it was a lot. It was worth it. It was worth it. Friday was it much was. better. Spent the whole day with. Well, actually, we went. We went to uh, that evening. Thursday evening, went down to Stanley Lures and and Hale Lures, and you got a tour of the whole place. Pretty cool. I did, and it was very in depth. Thanks to Mr. John Hale. Yes. What'd you learn about the uh, fishing lure industry? It's. So there's so much to it. There's so much that you don't see that goes on behind the scenes, like from making it, the different molds they have, to what to do with the extra plastic that they ship to, where was it, Daddy? Was it Mexico or something? Mexico. To make make rubber sole shoes. There you go. You never know. Wow. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Pretty cool. (laughs) And they had 55-gallon drums after 55-gallon drums full of the stuff they were getting ready to ship out, weren't they? They were. Um, so that was Thursday, then Friday. Friday was a really a, a really 
cool day because, uh, well, tell us it about was. Friday a little bit. Friday we went to a private lake and we got to fish with Mr. John Halligan. We got to fish with Mr. Uh, Lonnie Stanley and Clifford Weedman and um, Mr. Stanley's grandson and then a couple of friends, and we just caught them all day long. That's probably one of the best eight and a half hours of my life. <laughs> And, and and John's an interesting guy. Grew up in Louisiana and went to school with some of your some of the people that you like to watch on TV. Mr. Phil Robertson, yeah. Yeah, he was in school. What a couple of years behind? Was he a couple of years behind Phil and Terry Bradshaw? I think at so. Texas Tech, and but they went to with yeah. the Robertsons, and he went to high school with the Robertson clan. They were ahead of him, behind him, and he talked about duck hunting with them and quail hunting with them. it was really just a just a cool day it was it was a very cool day caught some pretty good bass didn't you oh yeah i don't think i've caught that many bass that big in a while <laughs> we don't have lakes like that caught a few stumps too didn't you <laughs> i think more than a few let's let's just put that out there more, a little more than a few a lot of standing timber in this lake a lot of standing, a lot of stuff right below the water line. And we talked about it later on. We were kind of, after the first half an hour or hour, kind of afraid to set the hook on every bump because you weren't quite sure if it was just another stump or if it was a fish. Yeah, and that's where I think we lost a bunch of fish because it kind of got to us that if you set the hook, you don't know if you're about to lose your rig yep. or if you're about to catch a big one. Yep. And uh, let's see, they caught what? Clifford caught a 9-pound and a 7-pound. One of the other boats caught one that went over 10. Yours was probably, your yeah. biggest probably, what, 6? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I followed up. I didn't catch anything really big. That's okay, Dad. I just caught a bunch. You did. You, you caught a bunch. We got a little competitive there at the end. Yeah. Have to. Have to keep yeah. you honest. Healthy competition. That's right. That's right. It's a little, it's a little harder to keep fishing than honest, though. <laughs> would you go back? Definitely. definitely, I would definitely go back. Whether, whether I was fishing with a fever again like Friday, yeah. I would do it. <laughs> got some good, uh, got to put all that SLX stuff to use, didn't you? Oh yes, I did. How did it perform? Good use there. It was amazing, flawless. There was. Except for blowing up one reel, yep. there, was, there was no trouble, no yeah. trouble at all. It's not, uh, so most of those reels have not been used yet. They were finally pulled out of the box as an opportunity to use them this time. So for them not being used, they performed amazing. Good times. And then uh, then came Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, trying to get home, both of us fevers. Mm. Yeah. Let's give our props <laughs> to uh, – Hilton Garden Inn for taking us in early. Oh yeah. Letting us. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, we went to sleep at like eleven o'clock at night. And I don't think we woke up till like five o'clock in the afternoon. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then and then to, to Delta Airlines for for working with us on the flights and and actually waiving four hundred dollars in change schedule fees for us on Sunday. Yep, that was amazing. It was. Well. uh and, and and your favorite picture from the whole trip, I have to imagine, was the picture of your two thumbs. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If y'all know what that means, bath thumb is the best feeling in the world. 
we know you've done your job right and you've had fun. We did. We had fun. Well, I, I, uh, I know you're not feeling 100%. So get back on the couch, get to feeling better and, uh, and we'll take some more trips like that soon. Sounds good to me. All right. Take care, Tyler. All right, All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, it was, uh, I appreciate her doing that. We wanted to come in and actually wanted to have maybe call John or Lonnie or Clifford or somebody, but just, uh, just can't fit in everything. And with her not feeling well, didn't know if she was going to be able to do it. So appreciate her. She didn't sound too bad. She didn't sound sick yeah. at all. So that's good. Yeah. That's very good. So, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a fun trip. I am, I am appreciative. Appreciative to Clifford for, for asking us to come down. They put us up for a couple of nights. And, uh, you know, like I said, other than being sick Saturday and Sunday trying to get home, it was a great trip. Got some, yeah, got some really in depth and behind in the fishing industry. Uh, you know, John's wealth of knowledge. We fished with him on his boat all day Friday. Talked quail hunting and duck hunting and Louisiana and Texas and just wow. Just wow. Sometimes I wonder where I got what, what I watched the final countdown the other day. And I, sometimes I wonder if I've been through the same kind of matrix to another life. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, coming back, gonna, gonna clear off the desk of a few things I've been trying to get to because there's some uh, exciting stuff coming up on this show in December. So y'all hang on back with more woods and water south going on the other side of the break. Dreams, Van Halen. Do you know, there's a little bit of music trivia for you here. All right. That is the only song that has been set to two different Blue Angel performances. Did not know that. Yeah, the original, the original, there's original Dreams video out there made with the U.S. Navy Blue Angels when they were flying A-4 Skyhawks. Mm-hmm. And then they redid the video flying F-18 Hornets. Hmm. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Useless stuff, but good stuff. Yeah, hey, stuff. there's somebody who cares. <laughs> I do. It's my show, so I can care, right? Yeah, All you right. can. Okay, all right. Um, for those of you who, I know there's some deer hunters out there who, you know, all through the year, you, you're out and you, you want your nice buck and all, and and you may use one or two deer a year, but you you need to do some herd management towards the end of the season. Keep in mind, uh, this is from South Carolina Hunters for the Hungry. Uh, they need you. If, and let's, let's talk about it, uh, SCHFH, a 501c3 nonprofit that is 100% volunteer driven, believes we can help in solving this hunger problem in our state. In making this our mission since 2004, we have supplied over 500,000 pounds of harvested wild game in many areas of South Carolina. And we know the good sportsmen and women of South Carolina can help us accomplish more in this mission. Um, we're introducing Operation Roundup, where we ask hunters to donate all or part of their harvest back to uh, SCHFH through a local processor. The processors will then contact us to distribute this meat to nonprofits throughout the state. So if you are in the, uh, if here towards the end of the season, if your club or your uh, your management plans calls for weeding out a few more animals, through the end of the year and, and you don't exactly need it for your freezer, 
please feel free to contact South Carolina Hunters for the Hungry. Donate it to them through your local processor, and, uh, and they will put it to good use, helping families through the holidays especially uh, who are not as fortunate as we others. From the Department of Natural Resources, uh, we have a we have nominated a new director. Director Alvin Taylor retired back in April, I believe it was. Kinda, you don't have it on my computer. But anyway, sometime back in April, Alvin Taylor retired from the Department of Natural Resources after 17 years. Uh, and the the board announced Thursday, 21st, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources board announced today the unanimous, unanimous selection of Robert H. Boyles, Jr. for appointment as director of the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Uh, Boyles' appointment as director is subject to confirmation by the South Carolina Senate. Um, and there it, it says right here, Alvin retired in May. Um, Robert was appointed interim director uh, after Alvin retired. And uh, the DNR has performed well on the leadership of Director Alvin Taylor. We thank for his timeless efforts on behalf of conservation in South Carolina, said Board Chairman Norman Pullen of Spartanburg. As we look at the future, it is important to have seasoned veterans leading our agency. Robert spent his formative years in Chiraw. He has worked for DNR for over 22 years, and he has been a member of the senior DNR leadership team for over 16 years, serving as Deputy Director for Marines Resources since 2003. He has served as Interim Director of the DNR since May and has proven himself more than capable of leading our agency. And I speak on behalf of our entire board when I say we are looking forward to working with Robert as he leads the DNR into the future. Um, Bowles has been in DNR, uh, has been in South Carolina government since the early 1990s in areas ranging from marine research administration, conservation policy and management, marine operations, and interstate fisheries management. Boyle serves on the Atlantic States Marine Fisheries Commissions, including stints as vice chairman and chairman of the commission. Additionally, he served on the South Atlantic Fishery Management Council and on the Outer Continental Shelf Policy Committee of the U.S. Department of the Interior. He received his bachelor's degree in mathematical economics from Wake Forest and a master of marine policy from the University of Delaware and has completed fellowships in marine conservation and policy at Duke University Marine Lab in Beaufort, North Carolina. Beaufort, North Carolina, excuse me. It's not Beaufort, it's Beaufort up there. There and, is a difference. And it is. And the National Ocean, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in Washington, D.C. So uh, Bulls is married and has two sons attending Clemson University. So we'll wait for Senate confirmation for that. And look forward to working with Robert Boyles and the department for many years to come. Thanksgiving is almost here. Uh, uh, by the way, next Friday, y'all can start playing Christmas music. That'd be quite all right with me. Up until then, no Christmas music whatsoever. Agreed. Agreed. Um, with Thanksgiving coming on, a lot of people will brine their wild game for holidays, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. And uh, this is from uh, Danielle Pruitt, uh, part of the Meat Eater expansion in the cooking. And uh, the most common complaint I hear about wild game is that it's tougher, which is really a symptom of the result of overcooking. The best way to counterbalance this issue is to start brining your meat. Salt can dramatically enhance juiciness and, in my opinion, is the most essential ingredient in your pantry. Uh, consider what makes meat juicy. Two factors contribute to this to this mouthfeel, fat being released from the fibers as you true, and water that is naturally present in the tissue. Juices squeeze out of the meat as it cooks. The higher the heat, the more you lose, since wild game is usually very lean 
It's detrimental to overcook because there's no fat to make up for the excessive moisture loss. The easiest way to avoid this is to brine and utilize the power of salt. Salt can react with meat in two very different ways. If you apply a large amount for an extended period, it will draw all the moisture out. We refer to this process as curing. Preservation, you know, think hams. A brine is salt dissolved in water with various herbs and spices in which you submerge the meat or inject into the meat. It has the opposite effect and increases the amount of moisture in the muscle tissue. The salt in a brine denatured and relaxes protein structures. This allows the muscle tissue to absorb water from the wet brine. In other words, it helps meat hold more water, which counterbalances moisture loss when heated. I like to think of it as insurance because it tenderizes meat and enhances natural flavors. There are two types of brines, wet and dry. A classic wet brine is one that you're probably most familiar with from preparing Thanksgiving turkeys. See, my, my don't brine turkeys, but I'll brine a Boston butt, and it is two cups of apple juice, two cups of water, and two cups of dark brown sugar. And you brine it for 24 hours. And it, oh boy, it's good. So that's a wet brine. A dry brine is a mixture of salt and other spices without the liquids. In layman's terms, it's a dry rub. And I have dry rubbed some Boston butts before. I think I like the brine better. While technically a dry brine and a cure are the same thing, the main difference is the purpose. And like curing, a dry brine uses only enough salt to lightly cover the meat and not encrust it for one to three days without having to rinse. The primary goal is to infuse foods with moisture and flavor. A wet brine is perfect for cooking skinless birds or hefty cuts of meats before smoking. A common solution is 3 to 6% salt. My go-to ratio is a quarter, of a quarter of a cup of kosher salt for every four cups of water. You can include sugar to counterbalance the salt and add peppercorns, garlic, or herbs for flavor. Remember that the longer you brine, the saltier the meat will be. Small birds or game may only need 8 to 12 hours, while turkeys or whole hams benefit from 24 to 48 hours in the refrigerator. Always rinse the meat with cold water before cooking to remove excess salt. Uh, let's see here now. What does the last part of this say? Uh, da, da, da. Below are two recipes. One is classic. Uh, let's see. The garlic. Uh, yeah, okay. The garlic and herb salt is a homemade rub that I frequently use for pluck game birds. Um, so the that one would be. Oh, come on here. Okay, classic brine. What? Turned out to be a zero. Okay. Okay. Classic brine. Combine all the ingredients in a large pot. That's your, you know, your salt, your water, whatever else you want to put it. It says bring to a bowl and stir to dissolve the salt, remove from heat, and let it cool. Uh, you can add a little ice to speed up the process. Once completely cool, uh, pour the brine over the meat in a large non-reflective bowl, cover and transfer to the refrigerator for eight. I'll put mine in uh, Ziploc bags. That way I can turn them over and over and over. And uh, you just flip the whole thing. Before cooking, rinse the meat with cool water. Garlic and herb salt. Mince the herbs and garlic as fine as you can. Add to a bowl with kosher salt, cracked pepper, and lemon zest. Mix well and spread the salt across a sheet tray in a thin layer. Allow to dry overnight and store in an airtight container for faster drying time you can place inside a dehydrator. Um, so, but she doesn't give the, must have missed the brine recipe. Oh, well. There's your, there's your little bit of help as you go into 
turkey season, brining and all that wild game for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I had to find that. That was a meat eater. I that should have been there. Could it be online? Yeah, I'm sure it's online. That's where I got the story. But, okay, the last couple of minutes here. Small buck shaming. Quit making excuses for shooting a small buck. This is just flip on an outdoor TV, check social media, and you'll see this. He's not the buck I was wanting, but I guess he'll do. He's not the biggest buck, but we're finally on the board. I broke the ice. That's another good one. He's not one of my hit list bucks, but I couldn't resist. Why is it that hunters are seemingly apologizing or making excuses for the bucks they just killed? Is it because just a few weeks ago they were committed to some hit list buck? Is it going to hurt their dear reputation of being some type of elite hunter? Or maybe it's just their best attempt to cover up a case of ground shrinkage. Either way, you shot it. Don't shame it. Don't play down the young two-year-old that you just punched your tag on. No, he's not huge. No, he's not the giant you had trail cam photos of for the last six months. But he evidently got your heart pounding and adrenaline pumping enough to make you pull the trigger. Why not celebrate the moment instead of feeling like you owe the social media world an excuse or apology for shooting a smaller buck? Ground shrinking gotcha. No big deal. I've done it. We've all done it. Just don't try to cover it up by calling the, this is the, a cull buck. You shot it. It's not a cull buck. Studies out there say that culling is in a wild herd is irrelevant. So just own it. Ah, what? <laughs> and you see all sorts of stuff on social media. Um, how do you let go of small buck shaming? Just ask yourself, what would Fred do? That's right. What would Fred do? We need more guys like Fred Eichler. That sucker will shoot a year and a half old buck with his bow and celebrate like it's the first year of his career. No matter the age and no matter the size, Fred truly loves the game. And he couldn't care less what others think about the size of the bucks he kills. There you go. Take the time this season to revisit your hunting roots. Remember the excitement that came with success in those early days, regardless of the size. Celebrate the hunt. God gave us the responsibility of having dominion over the critters we pursue. Don't ever apologize or make excuses for the animals you take. Shoot what make you see. Shoot what you want this season. No regrets. All right. Next week is Thanksgiving. Be a tape show. So I take the weekend off. Everybody here will too. So until then, make time to get out there. Take the Baker's when you can. Don't forget the camera. And have a great Thanksgiving week. See you next week with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. <laughs>